Our scripture reading this morning is Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 through 30. Uh, It's on page 831 in the Pew Bible. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens... Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Word of the Lord. Good morning. likes to make choices? You do? Sometimes I like to make choices, like if it's between chocolate cake and chocolate candy or something like that, you know, when you have a good easy choice to make. Sometimes I don't like to make choices, like what are we going to have for dinner? I don't know. (laughs) What do you want to have for dinner? I don't know. Sound like the um, the, the vultures in uh, Jungle Book. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. Well, I have some choices here today. Would you rather have this banana or the banana peel? The banana. Yeah. I mean, this one's already been eaten. There's not much good in there unless you wanted to play a joke on somebody and make them trip on it, right? That's not a good choice, is it? Right. And that would be a bad choice. Yeah, so this isn't a hard choice to make. We pick the good thing 
although this banana is really ready to eat right now because it's got all those lovely brown spots, which means it's nice and sweet. And this one is not so good. All right, so that wasn't too hard of a choice. Now my choice is the blue balloon or the red balloon. How many say the red balloon? Oh, one, two, three. Oh, okay, how about the blue balloon? Oh, it looks like the red balloon's more popular than the blue balloon. Now, see, I would choose the blue one because I like blue. Yeah, you too? So a lot of people like red balloons. And there's a story about a red balloon, I think, somewhere. Yeah, but I would pick the blue balloon. Choices. In our scripture reading, he's talking about a choice. He wants to do one thing, but he has to do the other. And sometimes that's the case. We have to do something. We have to clean the bathroom, or we have to do the laundry, or we have to, whatever we have to do, do our homework, or go to work. But we'd rather go visit a friend. Yes. So cleaning up your toys or playing with your toys. It's a hard decision. We have to choose the right thing, and that's not always easy to do. And sometimes what seems like the right thing, staying home and do the cleaning, isn't always the right thing because maybe that friend that you're going to go see really needs to see you. Difficult decisions. But the one thing that's important about the decisions that we make Well, that's true. You might have to do some cleaning up before you have spend time with your friends so that they don't get hurt in your playroom. We all have those, right? You have a playroom. You're lucky. Yeah, so that's a good decision to put your toys away so the dog doesn't chew on them, right? Yeah. Okay, good job. Well, whatever we decide to do, the trick here is that we're making choices that will make our life worthy. We want to be worthy of the calling God has put on us. So Paul wants to go and be with God. He wants to die. He's been through a lot. He's been beaten. He's been thrown in prison. He's been chained up. He's like, take me now. That's me all the time. Take me now. Um, but he also, and he knows that would be awesome because it would be good for him. He'd be in heaven with God and everything would be easy. But he also knows that he has a job to do. And his job is to make more people that have relationships with God so that they can be there too. So he has to make that choice. And he chooses to continue doing the work here on earth because that's what he's supposed to do. And sometimes we have to trust God. Yeah, and clean up our toys. Um, and he, Paul had to clean up his toys? 
you think he had a house? He might have, but he spent a lot of time in jail. Yeah, but I don't think I'd want to live in jail. But whatever we do, we need to make our life worthy of the gospel so that when people look at the decisions that we make and the actions that we do, they're seeing God, seeing Christ in what we do. It might not matter if we choose a red balloon or a blue balloon. What might matter is that we blow it up and give it to somebody to give them joy. It might not matter if we choose the banana. We could give it to someone for food. Or we could take this banana peel and put it in a compost that might make something better for somebody else. But whatever it is we choose to do, we need to make sure that we're giving God the honor and the glory through whatever it is that we choose to do. Because that's what it's all about. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that you give us the ability to make choices. You give us options all the time. Help us to choose wisely, to choose the ways that are going to be best to serve you, to serve your people here, and to live a life worthy of the calling that you have placed upon us to be your disciples, your children. So we ask for your help because it's not an easy task. And we ask for your courage and your hope and most of all your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Lord, please do grant us wisdom and courage as we live out what you have to show to us today. We pray that our hearts and minds will be open and that we will live in love um, by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you guys ever heard the expression, I feel like this is an older expression, but wanting to have your cake and eat it too. So I remember the first time I encountered that expression as a kid, and it made zero sense to me. I, I couldn't, my mom tried to explain it to me. It's really hard to explain it. <laughs> because we, sometimes we're talking about eating is, I'm going to have some cake, right? I'm going to eat some cake. So I could not figure out that really what that expression means Literally what it means is you want to keep the piece of cake, you want it to be there, but you also want to eat it. And what it means metaphorically is you have two choices, and they're both really good choices. And you kind of want both of them to be able to be true, but they can't both be true at the same time. The Apostle Paul has a conundrum today. It is a choice like trying to keep your cake but also eat it. Can someone describe, Barb talked about it a little bit, but what is, his cho- what is the choice that the Apostle Paul is having a hard time with in our passage today? Okay, that is the, the baseline choice. Dying or continuing on? If you put it that way, it doesn't really sound like that hard of a choice, maybe. I don't know. Um, but, so his, what he's really struggling with is getting to go be with Jesus in person, 
by dying, or continuing on to live the life of Jesus with the people who, in, to help the people who remind him of Jesus. Has anybody ever had, struggled with this choice before? Yes? No? So I feel like this could be super relatable or not at all relatable. So um, how, how do you find it relatable? Okay, sometimes life is hard, right? Okay, so you would like to skip death and just have Jesus come back. That sounds pretty good. Um, so the Apostle Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, which is almost as confusing as having your cake and eating it too. Um, but what are some other reasons besides wanting to go be with Jesus that you might consider dying to be gain? I think Sandy mentioned one. Sometimes life is really hard. Sometimes we're depressed. And so dying seems like the best option. There's another reason that I think some people find that dying might be a good option. Okay, not suffering anymore. Okay, the pain thing is huge. I think there's another reason. I encountered this a lot when I used to work with dying people as a hospice chaplain. Some people just didn't want to, they were not happy with the fact that they were on hospice. And other people were okay with it. And one of the things they were most looking forward to was being reunited with their loved ones. And I think this is a, a good thing, too. But for Paul, his conundrum is actually, and I mean, he didn't have the easiest life. He's in prison right now as he's writing this. Um, he got beaten up. He, got thrown, he had rocks thrown at him so bad that the people just thought he assumed that he had died and left him there, and he hadn't died. But so, like, he's been through some stuff. But he's not trying to avoid the pain of this life, his struggle is, I could be with Jesus. Jesus is so great, I just want to be with him. I could be with him in person forever, or I can be with Jesus' people for whom I have the affection of Christ, that's earlier in the chapter um, we talked about, and I can still help them, and I can still minister to them. I like both those things. So he doesn't actually say anything about being reunited with those who have gone before. It doesn't mean that that's a bad thing to want, or it doesn't mean that we won't be reunited with people who love Jesus, who have gone before, but it does seem like that is not Paul's motivation. He is focused on being with people he loves in this life, and the Savior he loves in the next life. How in the world did this come to be a conundrum for Paul? How did this come to be a hard decision? How did he come to love either God or people this much? I would love for my love for either God or people to be this intense, but I don't know that it is, at least not all the time. So... The first week that we started this series, two weeks ago, we were talking about the very beginning of Philippians 1, and 
Basically, the message of that section, verses 1 through 11, Paul is essentially saying to the Philippian Christians, I like you guys, you make me happy, because you love Jesus, and I love Jesus, and you remind me of Jesus. And he, he uses this phrase, the affection of Christ Jesus, and on one level, I think, when he says that, he's talking about the affection that Jesus himself has for his people, and that he gives to his people for each other. But I also think that Paul is talking about the affection that he himself, Paul himself, has for Jesus, or for God himself. Can we have affection for God? Sure. But sometimes I think God seems so distant, so far away, so different, so... God, that it feels a little harder to get there. And I actually think, yes, Jesus came to, to die for our sins on the cross, but I actually think another reason he came was so that we could actually have affection for God. He is a human, the human uh, incarnation, we call it, of God, and so it's much easier to have affection for a human than for some being that we can't put a shape to. And so I, I bring this up. We're not going to land a whole lot uh, for a super long time here on this idea, but I think it's important. After the sermon two weeks ago when I talked about God liking us, two of you came up to me and said, that was so good, but what about us? liking God. Can we like God as well as love God? Is it possible to enjoy God? Paul doesn't spell that out. He doesn't say, I really enjoy God. But you can tell he enjoys God, right? You can tell he enjoys Jesus. It's clear that his love for God, his love for Jesus is all-encompassing, and that is why he's having a hard time with this, it's not even really, he doesn't really get to choose if he lives or dies here, but he's having a hard time deciding which he would prefer to have happen because he just really loves God. <clears throat> little quick recap of where we've been so far in this book. Again, like I said, he says, I like you guys, you made me happy because you love Jesus and I love Jesus and you remind me of Jesus. Also, thanks for helping me while I'm in prison. And then last week we talked about how he's kind of saying, some people are trying to make trouble for me while I'm in prison, but that's okay. It means that Jesus' powerful name is getting out there, and one way or another, people are getting to know about Jesus. And, verse 18, because of this I rejoice. Now, here's where we are today, would it be better if I died or not? Let's think a little bit quickly about the reality of Paul's situation. So Paul already had, and we talked about this already, he had, there were some Jewish background people, maybe some Jewish people who were not yet Christians, who didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, who were giving him a hard time. There were Jewish background Christians who thought that everybody needed to become fully Jewish before they could accept Jesus as the Messiah, they were giving Paul a hard time, and 
the Roman Empire was, at this time, it got worse later, but they were already starting to ramp up this idea that you need to worship Caesar, the emperor, as your god. And so all three of these elements were probably in play here. We don't know which time in prison this was for Paul exactly. We can make some guesses, but, but we don't know for sure. But the reality was he was in prison a couple of times, and every time he went there, he could have been executed. So every time he goes in jail, he has to come to terms with, I might not make it out of here alive because I love Jesus. And so on one level, probably to your point, Sandy, he's probably like, you know, <laughs> rather than this back and forth and trying to, there's got to be some emotional up and down here, um, and suspense, I would really love to just finally get to be with Jesus and not have to keep getting rocks thrown at me and shipwrecked and have being locked up and all this stuff. It would be great to just be with Jesus. But also, there's some good things about staying here. And he actually, what he's saying here is, I don't actually think this is the time I'm going to die even though I'd really like to be with Jesus, not being executed is also a reason to rejoice. Verse 19, I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. In this case, it sounds like most likely he's saying, you guys are praying, and the way that the Spirit of God is working, it seems like I'm going to be set free eventually. But, we might think about this. Either way, he's going to get out of there. Either way, he's going to be delivered, right? He's either going to be delivered into the presence of Jesus Christ, or he's going to be delivered into the presence of Jesus' people. Verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. No matter what happens to my body, he says, whether it gets let out of the prison or whether it gets killed, I can rejoice. Jesus is life for me to live is Christ. Physical death is actually an improvement on this situation. To die is gain. Verses 23 to 26, he says, I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Why do you think it was more necessary for the Philippian Christians, for Paul to stay alive a little longer? Go ahead, Ray. Yeah, he can keep preaching, lead them in the right direction. Um, anything else maybe that is probably related to that, but... Yeah, it is interesting that it kind of sounds like he, think, at least he thinks that he has some option here. Um, yeah, since, especially since we don't know which prison time this was. It's hard to know how that played out. But anyway, he, he continues, 
in this flock, and he says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain. It's more necessary for, this is to your point, Sandy, it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body, and I am so convinced of this, I know I'm going to, I'm not going to go be with Jesus right now. I'm going to be here with you because I know that it's better for you. I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. So the first thing is, the first reason it's good for him to stay, to still remain so he can help the Philippians is, like you said, Ray, that he can help them more effectively if he's actually here in person. But there's another way that his release will help them. Their faith needs to see God answer their prayers by releasing him. We know that sometimes we pray for certain things and we pray for certain outcomes and God does not actually give us the specific thing that we ask for. But it sounds from the way that Paul writes this like he is pretty sure that the next thing that these Christians need for their faith to continue to grow is because they're probably praying that he gets released and they need to see God release Paul. God get Paul out of prison. This will be for their joy in the faith, their progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. They will be able to say, our friend Paul was in prison, and he didn't know if he was going to make it out, and they were going to execute him, but God got him out of there. And so, the, and the third thing that Paul can help them do if he gets out is, he can help them as they face opposition too. They may not, they love Jesus, they love Jesus enough that they remind him of Jesus. He really likes these, this particular group of Christians in Philippi, but maybe they don't enjoy Jesus quite as much as he does. Maybe if one of them was thrown in jail, that person wouldn't be quite so anxious to go be with Jesus in person as Paul is, and so he can help them grow in their faith so that they, too, love Jesus so much that either thing is a win. Either situation is a win. He is trying to remind them and encourage them not to be afraid. Last week, we talked about um, how he said people were giving, some, giving him some problems, and the great thing about it, he's so, Paul's kind of funny with all the things that he thinks are so wonderful that Probably most of us would be like, this is horrible. Um, but he's, he's saying this persecution is great because God's, Jesus' name is getting out there, and also it's making all the other believers bolder. So you can be encouraged when you see somebody go through persecution well. That can encourage you to be bold, but it doesn't mean that you're not still going to be intimidated. And it doesn't mean that these Philippian Christians, who are obviously concerned about the trouble that Paul's going through, it doesn't mean that they weren't intimidated. They probably were. So, and the fact that Paul is spending this much time in the very first chapter of a pretty short book 
talking about joy in suffering and joy in persecution must mean that these Philippian Christians are either experiencing it themselves or they're starting to or they're about to. He wants his life, his physical life that we recognize, or his death to be an encouragement to them not to be afraid. Verse 27, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So last week we kind of played around with the idea of does Paul really care if people who are preaching Jesus are actually acting like Jesus uh, because it kind of sounded like it didn't matter to him last week, but it does matter. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. It does matter how we preach Christ. And he continues, Then, whether I come and see you, or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Whatever happens, he says to them, seek that boldness. Whatever happens, live like Jesus. Whatever happens, live in unity in God's spirit. Whatever happens, you don't need to be afraid. And whatever happens, if you live like this, if your love for Jesus and for each other is on display, those who oppose you, as he says, will see, whether they recognize it or not, that they will not win in the end, and that God will save you. Verse 28, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. When we live in such a way that our love for Jesus and our love for his people is obvious, that is a sign to people who oppose him that Jesus is going to deliver his people. And let's be honest, back then it did, and today it may, whatever whatever it is, will probably happen. Verse 29, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Granted. It has been granted to you that you can suffer for Christ. That sounds awesome. <laughs> not really. It does not sound like a gift to suffer. But to Paul, who just enjoys Jesus so much, it is a gift. And he's trying to encourage these Philippian Christians. It is a gift to be able to suffer for Jesus because of love. Because of God's love for us and our love for him. It is a gift to be able to suffer for the one who suffered for us because it makes us like him in other ways too. If we have that in common with our Savior, we will very soon have other things in common with him too. Verse 30. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. The Philippian Christians had seen Paul in prison before and now they know he's in prison again. And they may be starting to feel some of the same struggles that he is feeling and now they know that God has gotten Paul through this kind of thing before. And God is going to get Paul through it again now. 
and God can get them through it, whatever happens. They know, watching Paul enjoy Jesus, that Jesus is delightful, and Jesus is worth it, life or death, whatever happens. Jesus can be delightful for us, and Jesus is always worth it. For us, too, whatever happens. Let's pray. Lord, these truths are sometimes hard, but also it's encouraging to know that um, even the Apostle Paul, even though he wrote a whole lot of the Bible, he was still just a regular human being, flawed like us, with emotions like us, and yet you captivated him so deeply, and you can do the same for us. We pray that whatever happens, we will learn to delight in you as you delight in us, and that we will love each other so that it will be a sign to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.